0: 2023 is a journey for us we're going through the writings of luke last year we went through john this year we're we're looking at luke and specifically luke wrote two books luke and acts Uh, he is the only gentile author in all of the new testament and so we're 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 spending some time looking through that and luke was a well-traveled individual And we know that because of his writing. And he wrote, uh, and his language was great. I mean, he looks like he has some type of training in classical Greek because of uh, the type of language that he uses. And what we see is, you know, he describes Jesus' uh, ministry by sharing where he was uh, geographically. And he, and he uh, even traveled with the Apostle Paul. So we know that he traveled extensively. So he's describing these places like he went to this place and to this place. So as you read through Luke and Acts, it only makes sense Uh, to think of it as a journey as you're following Jesus through his earthly ministry and you see the beginnings of of the church through the book of acts that we that we follow all of that luke was a physician Uh, as i said not only uh was he a gentile uh uh, the only gentile author of the new testament uh, he's a physician traveled with the apostle paul Uh, very early on even uh, traveled and saw the ministry of jesus and you can imagine as a physician uh, seeing Jesus perform miracles, the impact that it must have on him. Because uh, that's his job, right? <laughs> uh, his job is to, uh, to see people made well. And, you know, so here he is following Jesus and, and seeing this. Now, as you read through uh, Luke and Acts, or actually the New Testament, you're going to see that Israel is divided up into three regions. The northern region is, is referred to as Galilee. You'll see that in Scripture. You go, where's Galilee? That's the, the northern part of Israel. Then they refer to Samaria. Samaria. Uh, Samaria is where obviously the Samaritans live. That's right in the very middle, and then the southern part is, is uh, Judea. Uh, we get that name from Judah, the tribe of Judah. That's uh, the southern part of, of Israel. So what we're going to do uh, this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter eight, chapter 8, but I want us to be reminded of our purpose. Luke tells us his purpose in writing his gospel account in Luke chapter 1 verse 4. His purpose should be our purpose. So, uh, and uh, as we read that, I want you to hear what his purpose was. He said in Luke 1 4, he said that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, he wants people to know when they read his gospel account, he wants them to know with certainty uh, the things concerning the earthly ministry, of Jesus and to understand the gospel and to know it with certainty. And that should be our goal. That should be our goal as we're reading through uh, Luke's writings. Uh, We want to have the same goal that he did. Uh, So as we approach chapter 8, you're going to see a theme. And Luke has a tendency to do this. Luke has a tendency to write um, and connect everything really well together in themes. And chapter 8 is no exception. Chapter 8, is, the theme is going to be God's word. Uh, as I said a couple of weeks ago um, in my message, um, as we were tra- traveling through a previous chapter, you, you see this idea. A lot of times we read these the, the narrative individually. We see them as this parable's almost isolated from all the others, or this narrative, or this story. And all of these things... We almost isolate them and separate them out. And that's really not Luke's intent. Uh, So we have a lot of ground to uh, cover in chapter 8, but the purpose of that is I want you to see the the running theme. I want you to see how how connected this chapter is. I want you to see that he's not just telling us bits and little stories, you know, that uh, are unconnected. He literally is telling... A narrative where a theme is running through the entire chapter. And this chapter, he's focusing on God's word itself. So uh, as, we, as we go through, uh, you'll see this more and more uh, obvious as we go through. So let's jump in. Let me give you key point number one, and then we'll jump to the scriptures. Key point number one is this. We have a role to spread God's word. We have a role to spread God's word. We're going to see that in the scriptures. Let's look in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verses uh, 1 through 3. Now it came to pass afterward that he, that's Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, that's the gospel by the way, he's preaching the gospel, and the 12 were with him, that's the 12 apostles, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. And Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance or from their personal wealth. You know, Jesus had an entourage that was much larger than just the 12 disciples. A lot of times we think of just Jesus and the 12 disciples traveling from town to town. And Luke is telling us, no, there was a lot more people than that. Uh, there were several people that were following Jesus from town to town and, and helping along the way. Uh, they, they all had different roles and different uh, ministry aspects that they were doing. In fact, Luke mentions here, he says, and many others who provided. So there were many people that not only traveled with them, there were people who were financially supporting uh, the these guys. They were financially supporting the disciples and Jesus and their ministry uh, to make sure that they could to do what? Make sure that the gospel was shared, to make sure that as Jesus went from place to place, that he was sharing uh, the, these good tidings, as the scriptures say. The word gospel literally means good news, and that's what, that's what we want to see. We want to see from, from town to town. Now, typically, if I ask you this question, if I said, you know, what does it mean to share the gospel? Most of us would immediately think of some type of Um, Sharing the gospel is some presentation of the good news in a systematic way. We might think of it as the four themes of the gospel. You were created in God's image. Uh, We messed things up by sin. Jesus came to redeem us, and he is now restoring us. We might think of it in, in terms of those four themes. But I want you to think of this in terms of sharing the gospel and the fact that we all have a role doesn't necessarily mean that we're all the one that's standing at the podium. Um, We see Mary Magdalene. We see uh, Joanna. They weren't standing at the podium, but they were a major part of making sure that the gospel was being spread. Uh, The disciples themselves, they weren't even standing at the podium, but what were they doing? They were there to support and make sure that the gospel uh, was being spread. So, the, everybody had a role, and that's so important. It reminds me of uh, when I was in mid-90s, I started ministry in 93 uh, as a youth pastor and was there for one year and then moved to another, I uh, was at another church as a youth pastor in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, the church's name was Greenwood Baptist Church. Years ago, the little community was known as Greenwood. And uh, in fact, if you were to travel through Bowling Green, you would see Greenwood Mall and Greenwood Baptist and Greenwood every little thing, all in that little little community. Greenwood Baptist, where I served as youth pastor, had a long history of uh, incredible uh, student ministry, working with, with youth. They had a long history. In fact, some of the former youth pastors uh, were, were well-known in the community. And, I mean, it was a legacy that was just incredible, and I said, well, now that you've called me here, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll ruin that <laughs> legacy for you. But it was a, it was a fantastic uh, church, and we had some very special youth. There was a connection there of ministry uh, that uh, it's, it's hard to describe. But as I said, Greenwood had a long history of incredible youth ministries, so much so that I can go back to a hundred years prior to my getting there and I can tell you about a teenager at Greenwood Baptist who was 16 years old from 1893 uh, who served in this church. I mean, how incredible is that? How many churches have that type of legacy, right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about this 16-year-old. He says, Uh, By the way, his name was Mordecai. I didn't have any Mordecais in my youth ministry in the 1990s. But in the 1890s, they had Mordecais, Mordecais in in the youth ministry. And this Mordecai, he said, as early as eight years old, he remembers, you know, following Christ and giving his heart to Christ. And at the age of 16, in this little church, in this community called Greenwood, uh, at the age of 16, they trusted him to serve as the Sunday school superintendent. You know, that's a big deal for 1893 for a 16-year-old, right? A 16-year-old serving in that capacity. And Mordecai uh, served in that capacity as a 16-year-old. Uh, by 1902, he, he, began, he, he surrendered the call to, uh, to ministry and started becoming an evangelist. And he started, uh, started traveling, traveled throughout uh, the, the southeast, all sorts of different uh, uh, churches and communities. And uh, so in 1902 uh, is when he started that ministry. And over the course of his evangelism, over 300,000, in fact, I've got it written down here. Listen to this. three hundred three thousand three hundred and eighty-seven people came to Christ. That's an incredible legacy. All because what? Listen, that doesn't happen without the support of a local church who saw a 16-year-old and said, you know, we've got a place for you to serve in the church. And they believed in him and they nurtured him and they helped him grow in his faith. What an incredible thing, a 16-year-old serving as the Sunday school superintendent for the church. Now, as I said, that doesn't happen uh, without the support of, of a church that recognizes everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. Everybody has something to do in making sure that the gospel is, is known. Well, Mordecai, in November of 1934, he's 57 at this point, uh, was preaching a crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there there was another boy in the crowd he was about 15 about a week away from turning 16 so he himself a young man he was under conviction as Mordecai was preaching and he said I felt like you know it felt like uh, Mordecai was speaking straight to him and he, he was convinced of it he said so he came back the next night and he said he's talking to me again he came back another night and told his friend he said let's join the choir He said, at least if I'm sitting in the choir, I'm behind the preacher and his eyes can't be penetrating me, you know. And so he said, I'm going to sit in the choir. And he and his friend sat up in the choir. On that next night, as they were sitting in the choir, Mordecai's first words of his sermon in 1934 were, there's a great sinner in this place tonight. And that that soon-to-be 16-year-old said, he's talking to me again he's talking to me and that night Billy Graham gave his life to Christ now I'm sure you probably knew where that was going knew where it was headed right you worked worked work for uh the, the Graham family but I tell you what when I when I think about that you don't have a Billy Graham without what a Mordecai in fact check out this picture there's a picture I have of Ham and Mordecai a uh, Mordecai and, and Billy Graham together there on the left this is the advertisement back in uh, 1934 that you would have seen in the Charlotte Observer. Come and hear Ham. What's he going to do? He's going to tell you the gospel. And uh, by the way, Mary, I'll have some stories to tell you about Mordecai Ham. He believed in imprecatory prayers. And I'll have to tell you uh, some about those. And um, this is uh, the photo of of Ham and Graham. Uh, I believe it's from 1956. 1956. There we have two two incredible evangelists uh, side-by-side. What an incredible picture. But listen to me. You don't have Billy Graham without Mordecai. You don't have Mordecai without what? A local church that said everybody's got a role. Everybody has a role. And not only does everybody have a role, that includes a 16-year-old who we're going to put in charge of Sunday school. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. So hear me on this. Uh, I believe that everyone at Grace Point Church has a role. A role in spreading the gospel. A role in making sure that the gospel is known. In fact, I often put it this way, and I firmly believe this, that no one should be wearing two hats until everybody's wearing one. If everybody is wearing, uh, if somebody starts wearing two hats, and then there's people in the crowd not wearing any, then you've got a problem. Everybody should be wearing a hat. Nobody should have two on until everybody has won.